Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today we take a look at a fascinating doctrine, one that is integral to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but one that if you are a Catholic or a member of the Eastern Orthodox faith, you just don't believe. It's not part of your doctrine. And that's the idea of a pre-mortal or pre-earth life, the idea of pre-existence in Latter-day Saint circles. Now, this is a doctrine that does exist to a certain degree in certain Protestant groups, and it also exists in ancient Greek philosophy and thought, and in a few other places, some of which we'll touch on briefly. But one of my favorite poems from the 19th century about this idea comes from a poet who's a somewhat unorthodox Christian— And he penned this in 1806. His name is William Wordsworth. Quote, Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life's star, hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. And I'll jump down now a few more stanzas to a different part of the same poem. Quote, Hence in a season of calm weather, though inland far we be, our souls have sight of that immortal sea which brought us hither. Our souls can in a moment travel back thither. Close quote fascinating idea that we came from another place. We don't forget all of it, but we do forget most of it. And he uses the metaphor of an ocean that we travel from. And this idea is something that he sees as a remembrance, a slight remembrance of a pre-earth life. Now, there are a number of Bible verses that seem to imply a pre-existence. One of the more fascinating ones is from the Wisdom of Solomon. Latter-day Saints and Protestants will not recognize this reference because 
The wisdom of Solomon is not a book that is part of our scriptures, but it is part of early Christian and Jewish lore. Here's what it says. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. Quote, As a child, I was by nature well endowed, and a good soul fell to my lot, or rather, being good, I entered an undefiled body. Close quote. Clearly, the idea here is that the soul of this person writing this preexisted his earth life. We have a similar idea in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, which says, quote, He, meaning God, hath chosen us before the foundations of this world, close quote. There's a similar passage in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, that strongly implies that we had a pre-earth life. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Close quote. The idea here, of course, is that we have our earthly fathers from whom our physical bodies have been derived. But we also have a father of our spirits, and that would be our Father in Heaven. Catholics and Eastern Orthodox adherents would say this implies nothing more than the foreknowledge of God. But to Latter-day Saints and early Christians, it seems to be much more and talk about a preexistence. Here's one from Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 and 16. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community, close quote. That strongly implies, that strongly implies that the person was around and preexisted before this life. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 has a similar idea, quote, Before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations." A fascinating and oft uh, haggled over scripture from the New Testament involving Jesus himself is found in John chapter 9, verses 2 and 3, where someone approaches Jesus and asks him a question, quote, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, close quote. And the implication here is that Perhaps the man did something wrong in the preexistence so that he was born blind. The other alternative is that his parents had done something wrong so that he was born blind, and that would not necessarily speak to a preexistence. So the possibilities here are fascinating, but notice that in his response, Jesus doesn't say, Oh, there is no preexistence. So the man could not possibly have sinned. He just said, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. If there was a doctrinal error, perhaps Jesus would have said something different, like, 
this man did not exist before he was born, so he could not have sinned, or something of that effect. That's not the response the man got from Jesus. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, we read this, quote, The Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Close quote. Another verse, Acts chapter 17, verse 29, says that we are the offspring of God. Offspring here is translated from the Greek word genos, and in Greek means of the same species. Paul is telling his listeners, telling his readers, telling us that we are of the very same species as God. God is, according to Paul, literally our father. Keep in mind that children have the capacity to become like their parents. If God is eternal, that implies that we also, as his children, are eternal. As his offspring, we would have his same characteristics, that of eternal nature. Premortal existence is found in a number of places in LDS thought and in early Greek thought. This is described as a pre-existence, a pre-earth life, a pre-mortal existence, and it doesn't always mean that the soul is eternal. Sometimes it means, as we shall see, that there's a belief that somehow the spirit was created before the physical body was created, and the spirit came first, and then came the physical body. But both were created by God. Here is a fascinating idea that Plato had, he believed in the preexistence of the soul, which tied in with several of his other beliefs. He thought also that we are born with knowledge of a previous life. Plato said that that knowledge was subdued at birth for some purpose. And the idea there is that we remember information in this life that we have forgotten. This is not something new that we are learning as we go through it. Now, that's a very different idea than Latter-day Saint thought. You can read about this idea of souls and what Plato believed in a fascinating work by a Latter-day Saint professor named Terrell Givens. The name of the book, published in 2012, is When Souls Had Wings, subtitle, Premortal Existence, in Western thought. Great book. In early Christianity, there were some church leaders that believed in a preexistence. When we come back more about that, stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. If you have a question or comment about this program or any other program, feel free to send me an email. Send it to martinstanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com. Origen was an early Christian church father. He was highly thought of by most. He lived in the 2nd and 3rd centuries A.D. He believed that each human soul was created by God 
sometime prior to conception in what I would describe as his masterwork, one of his greatest writings, he made these kinds of comments. The The name of this work from which I'm quoting is called The Principis, Volume 1, Chapter 5, starting in Section 3. Quote, Let us inquire whether God, the creator and founder of all things, created certain of them holy and happy, so that they could admit no element at all of an opposite kind, and certain others, so that they were made capable of both virtue and vice, or whether we are to suppose that he created some so as to be altogether incapable of virtue, and others, again, altogether incapable of wickedness, but with the power of abiding only in a state of happiness, and others... Again, such as to be capable of either condition, close quote. The point he's making here is, gee, did God really create some happy and holy and some bad, some wicked, some virtuous? He thinks not. And his idea is that somehow we have inherited traits, characteristics, which we had in a pre-existence. He still believes God created us out of nothing. It was just before we got to this life. Origen wrote that one of his predecessors had already interpreted the scriptures to teach about a pre-existence. He was talking about the Jewish philosopher Philo. Church fathers Tertullian and Jerome held to this idea of a pre-existence, but there was a creation of souls in this preexistence at some point before we were born, not at the time of conception in this life. Origen, talking about Jacob and Esau, described the idea that there must be a preexistence using this reasoning. Origen argued that God couldn't love Jacob and hate Esau until Jacob had done something worthy of love, and Esau had done something worthy of hatred. And he reasoned, therefore, this biblical passage means that Jacob and Esau had not yet done good or evil in this life. Their conduct must have been before this life. And that's the reason why Esau would serve Jacob. The actual quote's much, much longer, but that's the synopsis. I find that to be fascinating reasoning, very different from, again, the reasoning that Christians who believe in a preexistence and Latter-day Saint Christians who believe in a preexistence would use, very much different, but still uh, fascinating nonetheless. Origen also talked about Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he said, quote, how could his soul and its images be transformed or formed along with his body, who before he was created in the womb is said to be known to God and was sanctified by him before his birth, close quote. Or Jen is talking about how God says that before the prophet, Jeremiah was born. God knew him and chose him. Now, in fairness to Catholics and Eastern Orthodox adherents and many Protestants, we should mention that they believe these are merely statements about 
God's foreknowledge and the ecumenical council that specifically discussed this actually uh, anathematized origin. They did not have nice things to say about him. And they said this, quote, if anyone asserts the fabulous, meaning ridiculous, preexistence of souls and shall assert the monstrous restoration which flows from it, let him be anathema, close quote, or let him be excommunicated. The whole idea of a preexistence was not one that worked for either Catholicism or the Eastern Orthodox faith. The concept of premortal existence is something that's a fundamental doctrine, really, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Book of Mormon talks about it, especially in Ether, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, where the premortal spirit of Christ appears in a distinctly human form. His finger is seen by the brother of Jared, and we understand that Christ existed in a human form before this life. We also know that Joseph Smith believed that souls of humans are co-eternal with God, just as Jesus is co-eternal with God. Not that we are co-eternal in the sense of our capacity, but we are in terms of our existence. He said it this way, quote, man was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence or the light of truth was not created or made, neither can it be, close quote. That was actually part of the early, early versions of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verse 29. In 1844, Joseph Smith elaborated on the idea of preexistence. He did it in his famous 1844 King Follett Discourse, which was a funeral sermon delivered just a little while, just a matter of weeks before Joseph Smith was killed. In it, he said that the soul or the mind of man, the immortal spirit, where did it come from? All learned men and doctors of divinity say that God created it in the beginning, but it is not so. The very idea lessens man in my estimation, said Joseph Smith. He goes on to say, quote, We say that God himself is a self-existent being. Man does exist upon the same principles. The Bible does not say in the Hebrew that God created the spirit of man. It says that God made man out of the earth and put into him Adam's spirit and so became a living body. The mind or intelligence which man possesses is co-equal. Here he means co-eternal, co-existing, forever existing, with God himself. Is it logical to say that the intelligence of spirits is immortal, and yet that it has a beginning? No, the intelligence of spirits had no beginning, neither will it have an end. That which has a beginning may have an end. There never was a time when there were not spirits, for they are co-equal, meaning co-eternal, with our Father in heaven, close quote. 
If you'd like a reference for that, go to the official history of the church, to the Joseph Smith History, Volume 6, page 14. The idea of premortal existence or preexistence is something that was elaborated upon after Joseph Smith's death. Brigham Young described that the mind and intelligence of humans were considered to be co-eternal with God, but he also taught that every person was begotten of the Father in the Spirit before this life. So although the mind and the intelligence was always there, the spirit body of a person was begotten at some point in time in the preexistence. These are fascinating and in some ways unknown and not knowable, at least in any detail, concepts. I hope you've enjoyed this. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.